Yesterday we concluded the introduction of Galatians. And the core of the introduction was uh, about revelation and the gospel. And of course, we talked about grace and many other various topics. And we also talked about faith a little bit. In the introduction, the main points were uh, the gospel. And through verse 4, chapter 1, verse 4, we saw uh, how we have become righteous through the sacrifice of Jesus. And starting from chapter 2, we are going to the main body of Galatians. The Galatian church was influenced by syncretism and exclusionism. After 10 years of the church being built, they are met with, their, with this danger. And because, and because the church is the life of the Lord, or, or, or because the church is living, it is susceptible to these attacks. The church is not an organization. It is a it is a uh, living entity, and that's why he has to go through these growing pains. But these do not become a huge issue. So you have to see whether or not the church uh, maintains the true nature that the Lord has bestowed upon it. If, if it is able to maintain that, that, that true nature, then these minor issues will not be its downfall. And every time the, the church uh, uh, overcomes these issues, it is able to grow spiritually and mature. And when, when we look in 2 Corinthians and also Galatians, explains all the, 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 the mistakes and the issues of the church. And Paul is saying, God has prepared so many uh, miracles and so many blessings for you, but why can't you receive it? Because you leave these, these uh, external attacks to be with, among you. You have let your com uh, gospel be compromised, and that is why you cannot receive grace. You cannot receive the Lord's blessings anymore. You know, I have um, a problem with my spine. There's a, a, a disc issue. When I was ministering in, in the U.S., that is, uh, that's when I hurt my back because I had to engage in a lot of ministry during that time. And while riding the, pain, uh, riding the plane on, my, on the ride back to Korea, that's when my uh, back gave out. And from then on, I had to ride uh, first class or business class. But of course, God keeps a hold on, on, on my health. And he also strengthened the muscles in my back so that he can support the problems of my spine. And also I go to the gym to work out. I, I lift around 120 kilograms when I deadlift. Deadlifting 120, uh, 120 kilograms is equivalent to three of lifting three of my, my, my uh, daughter-in-law. 
And when we talk about the issues of the church, it is the same uh, with our lives. The issues that we face in our lives, shouldn't, we shouldn't focus on the problems itself. But you have to realize who you are. And you have to realize what God has given you. This is what you need to focus on. And this is the same thing that Paul is saying to the church. He's talking about exclusionism and um, syncretism as he unravels the nine elements of the, uh, that, that is written in Galatians. He's saying the church needs to restore its glory. And I have been living with the Lord for 33 years now. I was met with many events and many incidents in this uh, 33 years and 20 years of this ministry. But the result that I have attained from all these is, is that, and I can say this with confidence, that there's nothing on this earth that can kill me. Nobody can, can overtake me. And then that is the truth. That's why living with the Lord is the best and will bring you uh, true happiness. Because when you live with the grace of the Lord, you're able to um, endure and break through with it, uh, all these issues that we face. So let's officially go into the, the main body of Galatians. If you have eaten the word correctly throughout this conference, then starting today, you will actually sense that the nuclear reactor of the gospel is, is a, it has been activated within you and you will start to see its function our victory. So let's start from verse 15 of chapter 2. I need to confirm of the gospel and the end of the revelation of God within you. Aren't you guys uh, hot? Can you guys turn on the AC? Because the, sa the stage is very hot. Your energy and your, your heat uh, is coming to the front. Today, the foreigners and all the pastors of Zoe Ministry, uh, we're going to be holding a party, a festival, a feast. It's a feast celebrating our 20th year anniversary. So I'm going to invite, invite you guys to the best buffet in Incheon. In the, and I also invi invite the lay church members, of course, to the cafeteria of Korean Polytech University. snacks be prepared for us. Pastor Lee, is there anything better than ice cream? Can you prepare something better than ice cream? Pizza. 
Can you feed a thousand people? I guess you can. Pastor is now getting old. He doesn't have enough power and energy to make, make these uh, impossible things happen anymore. So I'm afraid of asking him to do something. According to his wife, he gets very forgetful nowadays because he's getting old. And of course, he's been following after me for 20 years. Now, he was able to do all things before when he was younger. But we are seeing his limitations before, I, before our eyes. Let's have uh, let's have pizza for dinner. So along with the uh, the meal tonight, uh, we will also have a couple slices of pizza. So, but, but don't focus on the pizza right now. Focus on the message. Verse 15. I've said this in the introduction. Galatians is written in a very um, compressed manner. manner. There are many reasons to this. But according to the framework of the early churches, they didn't really need to, 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 for everything to be explained. Likewise, in this church, because uh, the, the, our, our truth system has been, has been completed, when I talk about other books, for example, Isaiah, I don't need to go into detail. I just say this is, this is what is written in Isaiah. The people are able to follow along. And in the same way, that's how the book of Galatians is written, with the pretext that the people already understand uh, the truth. And right now, Paul is, is enraged. Because he is enraged, he also doesn't have time to go into detail about every little thing. In AD 55, AD 55 was the most difficult time for Paul in his, in his uh, missionary journey. He also uh, was having difficulty with his relationship with the, uh, the Church of Corinth. And now the Church of Galatia, Galatia is also going through a difficulty. So imagine how difficult and how upset Paul was in this, in this year. But of course, uh, pain and suffering will be our benefit. And after this year, went to the Philippian church and confessed that uh, he can do all things through, through him who gives him strength. And with the strength that God has given him, he was able to endure through all difficulties, all persecutions, and all sufferings. He knew that his power is, comes from the Lord. And this has to become our confession as well. So, 
So when Galatians was being recorded, Paul was going through a very difficult time. That's why the revelation and the, and the, and the context of Galatia, the Galatian book is very um, compressed. So we need to unravel the things that need to be unraveled, and we need to focus on the things that need to be focused. Uh, but today we're going to talk about righteousness, gospel, revelation, and now righteousness. But before that, let's talk about grace a little bit. Grace is not living by your own strength. So the choice is yours. Are you going to live by the law or are you going to live by um, grace? This is the choice that is given to you in your lives. If you live by the world, then you will live by the old self. And when you're living by your, the old self, you're not living by the new self. There's no middle ground. And grace is the same. When you live by grace, you're not living by the law. When you live by the law, you're not living by the grace. And the reason why you go through spiritual confusion is because you're mistaken into thinking that there's a middle ground. You say, I'm just not living by grace at the moment. I'm not living by legalism necessarily. But that, that is a, a big deception. If you're not living by grace, you're surely living by the law. Again, if you, some, some of you are, mis, uh, are deceived into thinking that you can, you can be a middle person. A middle person that is between the, uh, the new self and the old self. But when you're not living by grace, you're living by your own thoughts, you're living by your own strength. This discernment has to be clearer when you're looking at the spiritual order. And to go deeper into your spirituality, the first step that you need to take is you need to, to, to discern clearly between the old self and the, old, uh, the new self. People who are living living uh, most, mostly by the old self cannot have this discernment. But when you start to live by the new self, you will see a clear difference between the old self and the new self because you, you get a grasp of what victory is. And when you fall back into the old self, you realize that immediately. But before that, this discernment is a little bit hazy for you. And there's only one method to this is to continue to have desire for the grace of God and continue to face the Lord and allow the Holy Spirit to come and reign over you. The the, um, the, your life of flesh was not made out of coincidence. because you have lived uh, continuously in that lifestyle you receive uh, influence from the road and you live according to the temptations of your flesh the people who are living by the spirit they're tormented when they have to go shopping they're tormented when they when when they're unable to sense the presence of god so I am like that, and so I do not enjoy going shopping. And so I would send others to go shopping for me so that I don't have to go through that difficulty. I, can't even, I cannot watch movies because my head seems, uh, hurts a lot when I watch a movie. 
because you're a living entity, your reactions uh, are not do not come just all of a sudden. It's, it comes from your choices. And the spiritual things are the same. Because you have practiced, practiced too much uh, of the life of your flesh, you need to continue to, to deny your flesh and live by the Holy Spirit so that you can um, get rid of those habits. It's going to be a difficult time for you to go it, for uh, for a certain period. It's going to be painful for you to get rid of the, the tendencies of the flesh. But after you go through this stage, living with the Lord will become easier for you. You it will become more natural for you because you learn how to live by the strength that God has supplied you. And, and then you will reach the point where you're living by the uh, living fully by the strength of the Lord and living by the grace of God. But right now, you don't get, you don't have a grasp of what it means to live by grace. No, you shouldn't live your lives while, while, while. Uh, you shouldn't live your lives according to your own plans, by your own strength. You need to live by the grace and the plans that God is, God has given you. And when God leads you to pray about something, He will give you wisdom. He will let you know His plans. And He will give you strength and boldness. And sometimes when He, when he needs you to do something, he will, let you, he will allow you to do that action. But a lot of times, our actions are not required. But knowing when to do something and when to, do, when to not do it requires faith. People who live by grace are very sensitive to the intentions of God. But a lot of people don't understand this, and that's why they hold on to their habits. They hold on to their own stubbornness. And they are inspired by their own achievements. And they put a lot of meaning into their own efforts. I did well. I tried my best. And that's why I'm satisfied with my results. But when you live with the Lord, you're not, you shouldn't be satisfied with these achievements. You need to be inspired by God. And you have to turn all the glory and praise back to the Lord because He has done it, not you. Sometimes I joke with my, with my daughter. I say, Pyongyang. God, I brag to my, my daughter saying, oh, God is God is too much. He, he gives me too much allowance. And, and then my daughter would say, won't you share it with me then? And that's how I joke around with my daughters. But when you live with the Lord, you should be filled with this, uh, with inspiration like this. Anyways, let's move on. Today we'll be talking about righteousness. Verse 15. We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles. No, if Paul was in his normal state, then he would not have used uh, an expression like this. Right now, he seems to be saying that Jews are righteous and the Gentiles are sinful and destined to go to hell. Mm -hmm. 
Before AD 60, uh, the Jews and the Gentiles were separated in the church. The false prophets that have come into the Church of Galatia are the prophets of the law, spreading the law. They, they're saying you cannot achieve holiness by grace, you have to achieve it through uh, maintaining the law. But this was not present just in the Church of Galatia. The contemporary churches also struggle with this issue. The churches that are praised by the world right now are mostly influenced by legalism. The pastors, the heads pastors, are implementing uh, the system of the law within the church to put the, their church members in order, and they say this is this is a good thing. But we need to let the Holy Spirit work within the church. And when the Holy Spirit is present within the church, he he manifests grace and freedom. The law requires you to put in a lot of effort, and so it's tiring. And in the end, you don't see, you don't bear fruit. But that's and that is the limitation of the law. But the Holy Spirit gives you freedom. So now, uh, Paul is kind of mocking the, the, the false prophets. And starting verse 16, he opens the floodgates. Know that a person is not justified by the works of the law. Paul is finally talking about justification and righteousness. Justification and righteousness, we need to talk about soteriology. So you have received salvation and you have, you have become a child of God. And this was not, not done through any of our input. It was fully done by the Lord. It was the grace of God. He chose to come and meet us. So we call this grace. And there's no reason behind it. Why did you become a child of God? How did you? How, how is it that you received grace of uh, received the grace of salvation? Is it because you're you're pretty? Did you receive salvation because of your looks? And that is not grace, because there's a condition behind it. Is it because you're intelligent? And if that is so, then it is not. Then this one, salvation will not be great. Uh, not be grace. Some people say um, they are saved because they are rich, but that's not true either. There are no conditions to receiving salvation. Some of you who are, are a little better than others might think this is a little unfair. But people like me are, are rejoicing because of this fact. Because I have nothing that can, I can boast of, except for one thing, and that is, my, that is my handsome looks. But now I'm getting older, so my good looks are fading away as well. So I, have really, I really have nothing left to boast of. In the, in the 
beginning of my marriage, I didn't treat my wife so well because I believed in my looks. I thought my looks can cover all my all my uh, actions. But now I, I do well to my wife because my looks have faded away. And so <laughs> I'm basically begging her to stay with me. And so, Deacon Kidok, you also have to do well to your wife. Anyways, let's move on. So, salvation. Salvation is fully uh, the grace of the Lord. speak of this uh, many times in the church. At a certain point, you need to go through the Damascus event. Is to, is to fully encounter uh, the, that, that event of meeting the Lord and being saved by God. Why do I say this? It's because the salvation that is written in the Bible is given to us through the Damascus event. I say, well, that person seems to go to church often, but is does he have salvation? Some, sometimes you, 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 you're not sure about the salvation of a certain individual. He seems to go to church, but I cannot confirm of that salvation. That's, that kind, that type of salvation is not recorded in the Bible. When we talk about, let's say, uh, let's talk about the early churches. The first core uh, of of, uh, of salvation in the early churches is, is you need to acknowledge the Lord as your Savior. So the system of the early churches is they have many, they have individual churches, and on the Sabbath they were gathered together to 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 offer worship in the in the main in the main assembly. But before a certain individual is able to confirm of their salvation, they're not invited to the main worship. But if that person is able to be confirmed and their salvation is acknowledged, then they will be allowed to uh, come into the main assembly. confirmed about the, uh, about the salvation of an individual is that the person is willing to, to uh, confess that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. Because back then, uh, um, they were required to, to call Caesar or the Roman Emperor their Savior. But now look at... Look at the churches in Iran, look at the churches in the Middle East. As soon as the people believe, they become martyrs because as soon as they have been saved, they're fully restored in the Lord and they're willing to die for the Lord and die for the gospel. That is true salvation. And the people that go into the, the are, are invited to the main assembly, the main church worship, they're baptized before the community to acknowledge that this person has come into the community officially. And so the salvation that is written in the Bible requires us to go through the Damascus event. In, in the second and first Corinthians, 
It says we have been moved, that God has moved us from the kingdom of death to the kingdom of love. separated from the kingdom of death, death. And that is the same dynamic as uh, uh, as the uh, as the parable of the of Nazareth of Nazareth and the rich man. Isn't it doesn't it doesn't it use the same word? I think the doctors are confirming approving that that, that what I'm saying is correct. And in Col- Col- uh, Colossians 1 3 or 13 we have been transformed so that we have nothing to do with that, uh, that, uh, that, that power of death. Because we are under the reign of the Lord. We are under the reign of the salvation of God. And that's only possible, that is only given to you when you have gone through the, 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 the Damascus event. In Joshua 19, the Israelites are going to take conquer Jericho. And they were about to cross the the Jordan River. So before they were crossing the Jordan River, they made camp uh, on on the riverbanks. So they were facing facing Jericho. They were facing their enemies. And God commands them of of a, a couple of things. It doesn't make really make sense. It is not logical. First of all, he tells him to get to get circumcised. And men will understand the pain of going through circumcision for three, for at the very least for three or four days. You're basically immobile because of the pain. Are none of you guys circumcised? Sisters, we really need to rejoice about that fact that you don't have to go through circumcision. Is this not funny? Why are you guys so nervous? So you're immobile. And what does that mean? If the enemy was to attack them at that state, they would be, uh, they would perish. If, if a normal person received this command, they would not be able to follow that command because it is illogical. But, be, but Israel was able to, has confirmed that they had, they had confirmation that they have been delivered from death to life. So they know that their survival is not based upon their reality, that is not based upon their, their surrounding, surroundings. If God commands them, they, they will follow. And people who have gone through the Damascus event will be obedient in this way. When you have been faced with this event, there are many proofs of that. Proofs of that. But in the perspective of the kingdom of God, people who have not gone through this Damascus event, you cannot speak of the things of the kingdom of God with them. What what does it mean to discuss the things of the kingdom of God? It's like it's like the people of the, uh, of the uh, it's like the church members of the early churches. If tomorrow they were to be to become martyrs to die for the gospel, they were willing to do so, and that is only possible when you have seen the glory of the gospel, when you have gone through the the, the, the Damascus event. 
And so people who have not gone through that Damascus event, you cannot speak of the same things because when you tell them to die for the gospel, they won't be able to do so. The church is going to go through a lot of persecutions and difficulty in the future. If you keep those church people in the church who have not gone through this Damascus event, then they will become apostates and they are a liability that's going to betray the church later on. And that is very, very possible. So that's why we are fighting for this nation, so that this nation will not go under the control of the Antichrist. It's not because we are afraid, but because we need to become a sanctuary for the remnants. So these are the three perspectives that we have seen. We have been moved from death to, lo to love. We, are no, long we no longer are, are, are connected with death or uh, with wickedness or the, the, the life of evil. The life of evil means we cannot just live life uh, passively anymore. We cannot let ourselves be affected by, by all the things around us. And every decision that God, that God uh, gives to you is a command that is given to you by the king. And you need to follow those decisions regardless of your surroundings, regardless of your situation. And you need to speak of the things of the kingdom of God. You need to be willing to put down everything that is, with, uh, that is within you. And this is something that I have spoken of constantly in the church. And I told our church members, you cannot prepare an inheritance for your children. You need to give all that you have to the church. So I'm sure that none of us are preparing an inheritance for, for our offsprings. And there were actually people that left the church when I talked about this because they were unwilling to, to give up the money that they have saved. They don't know what they have lost. Lost. They, have, they, don't, they don't know what they have lost because of their disobedience. So these are the various proofs of your, of your salvation. In 1 Thessalonians, this is, uh, this is depicted as the confirmation of salvation. And today we're going to talk about this, but righteousness, faith, and life are the three proofs of your salvation. But let's talk about this later. So if you have correctly received salvation from God, then this should be your spiritual state. And if not, then you need to have a desire for God. And, and pray that God will let you encounter this Damascus event. I'm not talking about a ticket to heaven. The Damascus event is an issue of glory. I constantly say, that the Bible never talks about a spiritual state where you, you're unsure about where you're going, where you're, he, where you're heading, whether you're going to heaven or going to hell. There's no promise talking about that state. And to those people who are, who are in that weird middle ground, in that gray, in that gray area, where they, where they are going is only decided when they die. So how can you live a life not being sure of where you're heading? 
the Bible does not say this is salvation. Salvation is something you can confirm of right now as you're living. Because you, your whole being is transformed when you receive the salvation. And people who have not met this Damascus event yet, you need to put down everything and ask the Lord to, uh, to come and meet you. You need to be revolutionized, to be restored in Him. So this is why the early churches were powerful and holy. It's because all of the church members, every one of them, had this confirmation of their salvation. And there are many perspectives to this, of course. Uh, but the apostles had a very easy time preaching to the congregation. When there's, when there's various... Uh, when there's a lot of people with different spiritual states in the church, it's difficult to preach to, to uh, this group because they're all different. But when the group is unified in a spiritual state, when they all have confirmation of their salvation, it's very easy to lead them and preach to them. So this has to be applied to the Zoe Ministry churches as well. All of the, all of the, all of the members of your church need to have this confirmation of salvation. And if you have members of the church that have, that have gone through the Damascus event, then the work of the Lord will, not, will no longer be limited in your churches. Our, our church started with around 30 people. That's when we started to do overseas conferences. And in the beginning, when we were just uh, when we were holding conferences in, 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 in Korea, we only had seven people in the church. And we were able to manage uh, all the financial requirements of these conferences. So the, the kingdom of God, the work of the kingdom of God is not based upon the numbers in the church. It's based upon the, uh, the unification of the church. So this is the, the event of salvation. So what happens when you receive the salvation? That is soteriology. And people who are not saved do not need soteriology. No, they don't, it, it, doesn't, uh, it doesn't mean that they don't need it, but it doesn't really affect them. So I'm going to believe that you guys are, have all received your salvation because we're now going, we're going to talk about soteriology. I'm, I'm unraveling this truth system that, I, that is set up in the in Zoe ministry. And today we're going to talk about a Damascus event. And the, the Damascus event is the first key to you removing the, the chip of the great prostitute. And since uh, salvation is the first step, the great prostitute has gone through lengths to take away that power of salvation. And that's why they have polluted, polluted, polluted the, the masses event. Oh, and uh, that's why we have sent uh, our church members to get their doctorate degrees and to write papers to go against the, the, the false truth that uh, the Catholic Church has spread. And I'm not sure which of them is going to become martyrs first. Maybe Judy, because she has to go directly against the Catholic Church. But they will all be defenders of the truth and even die for the truth. And right now we're preparing all the all these papers to 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 fight against the false teachings of the Catholic Church. And right now
right now the five doctors are fighting amongst themselves to die last. Nobody volunteers to go first. Pastor Yun, Dr. Yun Jong says, well, Pastor, I have three, three young daughters. Pastor Jong says, I have a beautiful wife I cannot leave behind. The only one that is not really uh, afraid of death is, Pastor, uh, is Dr. Yu. I don't think Dr. Yu has much resistance against his, his death. But since the truth system is completed, we're going to officially start to work with the five doctors. And the first thing is we're going to be publishing a book. Publishing a book about human Jesus, the doctrine of the human Jesus. And we're going to send it to the Vatican. When this book is published, what you have to do is each one of you need to buy a thousand copies. Why is that? It's because, it's because it has to become a bestseller to become uh, famous. And only then will the Vatican uh, be interested in this book. What, what, what is this book that so many people are being uh, immersed in it? So you need to earn a lot of money so that you can buy these books. I'm going to look at the. I'm going to be looking closely at the sales. You, you need to all each buy a thousand copies. And that book will not. My name will not be published, published in that book because I need to. I need to live until the end. Do not tell the, the doctors to publish my name in that book. This book will be respond will be published only with the name names of the five doctors. So anyways, let's look at the event of salvation. But let's look at it simply. In Titus 3, 5. about salvation being redeemed it says not by works of righteousness which we did ourselves but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration renew, renewing by the Holy Spirit When you are saved, the water of God comes into you, and that water represents the message of the Lord, the Word of God. So when you're washed by this, by, by this water that God bestows upon you, you're being cleansed by His Word, and you're purified. So from then on, when you have received salvation, the word of the Lord continues to purify you from within. And this is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Jeremiah. And it is tremendous that the, that the holy God and the powerful almighty God is, is living within us. That his word has been entrusted within us. And this word is, li is a living word. And 
And when you when you eat food, that food becomes your life source. And it is digested within your body, and the body is able to absorb all the nutrients and you and, and, and transform transform it into energy for you to live. Likewise, the word of the Lord is also within us and, and giving us power, supplying us with strength and life. And you are purified in this process. And in First Peter, it says, when you obey the word of the Lord, you become holy. And when you're obedient to the word that is within you, you become holy and you become purified. You become holy and blameless, just as God has promised us. And that can only be done through uh, obedience to the word of the Lord. So it is amazing that God has given us His word. And your prayers as well. You should not pray with your thoughts. You need to hold on to the promise of the Lord within your mind. And you need to confirm of the word of the Lord that is within you. And you need to offer up this promise to the Lord, lift it up to God. And that is prayer. The reason why God responds to our prayers is because we pray according to His promise. In, in John, it also says, when the, when the promise of God is given to you, you're able to request of everything, and God will listen to your requests. And so when we pray, we need to pray while hold on, holding on to the word of the Lord and holding on to the promise of God. So why did Paul use the word promise here? We're going to look into later. There's a there's a weird trend of sending everything to the back. And if I have, if I don't have time, I won't be able to finish everything and conclude everything. But this is, I guess, my way of preaching. Yes, let's move on. This is. Uh, this is uh, the washing of regeneration. And next, it is the renewing by renewal of the Holy Spirit. So when you are saved, this is what happens within you. God has given us His holy decree. He has given us His word. And these things create the, 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 the order of creation within us. In the Bible it says, the word of the Lord is God's wisdom. And that wisdom, it, he uses his wisdom to, to, to reign over the world. And that message, that word of the Lord is within you. It has been given to you. So you shouldn't limit the work of that gospel. Secondly, it says this is a, a washing of regeneration and a, and a renewing by the Holy Spirit. So now, right now, the Holy Spirit is dwelling within us. In Ephesians, it says it, it, it seemed impossible that the Word of, of the Lord can dwell within us. And when we really think about it, it is really amazing. But in the perspective of God, He, even though there was a lot of risk in giving us His Spirit and giving us His Word, He still did so. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been a, an easy decision. But He has given us His Word. And uh, human, by giving us His Word, He could have risked a lot of His power and His authority. 
furthermore, He has given us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, when He's within us, and, and when we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to work, we're basically becoming a, a confinement for the Holy Spirit. And imagine how uncomfort, uncomfortable the Holy Spirit is when we, when we confine Himself, when we confine it in, within ourselves. But God, knowing, of the, all, knowing all these risks, still, still poured His Spirit into us. And, but if you allow the Holy Spirit to work with you every day, one of the proof of that is that you're renewed each and every day. And so every day you have to experience a change, you have to experience a transformation. If not, if you're stagnant, then that means you have confined the Holy Spirit and limited its works. But the spirit of religion is the opposite of the Holy Spirit. The spirit of religion does not allow growth. It deceives you into thinking you need to you need to stay the same. You need to be safe. You need to be secure. But no, the Holy Spirit. If you're living with the Holy Spirit every day, you sh- you're supposed to be renewed. Every 15 days, all the cells in your body regenerates, and so your body becomes new. Likewise, this is the spiritual order that God has created when He when He made this universe for it to be renewed every day. Even though all the mountains and the oceans look look the same as before, it is constantly being renewed in this universe. And this universe universe right now is constantly expanding. Expanding at a at a very at a very fast uh, fast pace. So the whole, the, also all of creation is changing. It is being renewed. So likewise, your spirit needs to be renewed. And this is of course not done through your efforts. But since the Holy Spirit is within you, He allows you to be renewed. And we can talk about this renew in many different aspects. But in Second Corinthians five, it says the Holy Spirit will lead you from glory to glory. This glory becomes greater and greater within you. And you're continual, continually renewed. But why isn't it happening for you? It's because you, you're confining the Holy Spirit to be to be calm and peaceful within you. But, but you need to allow the Holy Spirit to work within you. You need to let it reign over you. Then you will find yourself being renewed every day when you do so. Your, your prayers will be renewed. Your revelation will be renewed. Your ministry will be renewed. Your lives will be renewed. Your personality will be renewed. You will find yourself being renewed every day. Oh, Pastor, I've been renewed for 30 years, so I have no, I can no longer be renewed. That means it is, it is time for you to die. Even after 30 years, even after 50 years, even after 100 years, you're you're supposed to be renewed by the Holy Spirit. And I am experiencing that daily. And am I special? No. It's just simply that I allow the Holy Spirit to work within me. And when you allow Him to work, He will let you be renewed. And what's next? 
Today we're talking about justification. When you are saved, God gives you, God gave, gave you his, uh, his, his justification. And justification and righteousness is connected with the blood of Jesus directly. After Adam was 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 created with the with the righteousness of God, because the breath of life was given to him, which is ruha, and he had that privilege and right to meet the Lord face to face, because he had the righteousness of God within him. And there's no expression in Genesis that talks about Adam having righteousness, but God created him out of right, his own righteousness, and so Adam had, uh, surely had righteousness. But when he sinned, he lost that righteousness, so he no longer had the right to meet the Lord. And that's why he was exiled from the Garden of Eden. Because if he saw the Lord face to face, then he would surely die. Because God is holy, he cannot meet uh, a being that is that is unholy. So that's why people of the Old Testament, when they come in contact with holiness, they die. We can say that holiness is living. It has a life force. Death and the volume and the width of that life is different to with the life on this on this create on this in this universe. Because this life came from God. So people who are unholy, when they come in contact with this holiness, they, they would uh, they would die. For example, let's say there's a balloon here. Are you following along? I keep forgetting that I am in Korea. I keep telling myself this is not Central America, this is not Latin America. Because people of Latin America, the Hispanic people, would, would, would go crazy, go insane when they receive this message. But uh, we're going to go back to the Korean style, I guess. Don't forget that I love you guys. to become humble. But anyways, let's move on. There's a balloon here. Let's say you, you blew uh, you blew up this balloon. Then does the balloon pop? It doesn't pop. But let's say you hooked up a, a, an air canister to this balloon that has um, compressed air within the, the gas tank, within that air tank. Where's, where's Deacon Kim, the CEO of Ant? 
What is the what is the air pressure in your air tanks? It is a thousand times uh, the air of this normal atmosphere. So when you put that air into a person, that person will die. Because this, air, this tank is, has, has, has pressured air in it. But let's say you hooked it up to the balloon. Then when, even even uh, when you blow into this balloon, the balloon won't, won't pop. But when you hook it up to this air canister, it, what happens? Not only is it going to pop, it's going to be obliterated. So when normal people receive come in collision with this holiness, this is what happens. They 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 are obliterated. But God has made you into a being where you can receive that holiness now. And that is righteousness. Through that righteousness you have been made holy and you are able to receive and see the holiness of God now. And this is not a theory. Thirty, 34 years ago when I when I received my salvation God made me realize this I knew that I would not die because I have received his, holy, his, his righteousness so you need to resolve this issue of righteousness when you resolve this one issue you realize how tremendous of a being you are angels or even people or even entities that are greater than angels do not have this righteousness If angels were to, to come in contact with the holiness of God, they would also be obliterated like the, like the balloon connected with the, with the air tank. And when, when Uzzah touched the Ark of the Covenant, it, it says that his body was torn apart. And it is because something, he was unholy, yet he, yet he, coming, yet he came into conflict with the holiness of God. And that's why he perished. That's why he was torn apart by this holiness. But we who are living in the New Testament, if you have gone through salvation, you have, you are, you have been made holy through the, through the righteousness of God. And so this is an amazing grace of the Lord. God has given us His holiness. And so you need, to, you need to separate yourself from anything that is filthy and be inspired by this, by this righteousness. You have, begin, you have give, been given privilege to go and request things from the Lord, to go before the, the presence of God. And so if you have lost that inspiration, you need to put down everything and pray to the Lord to give, uh, uh, to, to bring back this inspiration to you. Yesterday we talked about righteousness in Hebrews. Through this righteousness, God has acknowledged that we are sinless. The definition of righteousness is that you are without sin. You are acknowledged by God to be without sin. And we call this being a, being a righteous, a nominally righteous. So even if you commit a sin, you are still righteous. 
But the reason why we need to repent is because sins are recorded in your, your, your conscience. And the more you, you neglect that process, the more the sin is going to be stacked up within your, within your conscience. And the enemy is going to use that record against you. And so that's why you have to continue to pray and repent, especially to get rid of this, the, 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 the sins that are accumulated in your conscience. And when you receive this righteousness, you can receive the holiness of God and you will be made perfect in Him. Because the, the final destination of holiness is perfection. received salvation three things happen within you the holy the, the word is given to you and the holy spirit comes into you and then the blood of jesus the precious blood comes into you and that's why you have become righteous in being and after these three things have come into you your whole being is transformed into a new being you have received uh, the right to be called the child of God. You have become a new new creation. And you have become the temple of the Lord. You have become an heir to his kingdom. And there are many other things as well. And all these things happen in that, uh, uh, through, happens to you in that time of salvation. say only one of these things happened to us in our salvation and even so it is something that we need to be grateful of and it is already amazing and you should be inspired just by the, by one of these aspects but he he calls you to be his son to be his his heir to be his king all these things were given to you all these rights were given to you as soon as you have been saved so what can we do but be touched but be inspired by him After a certain period of time, after you receive salvation, you lose, you lose that passion, you lose that inspiration. So these three things are within you. So if you do not limit these three things within your lives, then you'll be looking towards the, 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 the best scenario that is written by the Lord uh, in your lives. Because he has promised to each of us that he's going to make us holy and blameless. All the promises that, uh, of, of the Lord are fulfilled by him and are guaranteed by him. So if you receive this righteousness by faith, you will start to live a righteous life. In Habakkuk 2, 4, it says the righteous shall live by faith. And that prophecy goes into the New Testament. Romans, Romans talks about righteousness. So today we will need to look into Romans because we need to re resolve this matter of, of righteousness. In Galatians 3.16, the righteous shall live by faith. And Hebrews 13, the he uh, it also says the righteous shall live by faith and talks about the life of the righteous. 
you know, receive this righteousness by faith, whether you like it or not, you will be you will start to live the life of righteous of the righteous. Thessalonians, it talks about these three elements, the work of faith, the endurance of, of faith, oh no, the endurance of love, and the endurance of hope. So all these things need to be present within you as well. You need to see these, these things being revealed in your lives when you have confirmed of your salvation. When you love others, that love needs to be expressed. And to love one another, pray for one another, care for one another, sacrifice for one another. That is the work of, of love and the endurance of hope. It means no matter what you're, you're facing, you hold on to the hope of the kingdom of God and, and move on. These things need to be revealed in your lives. And when you see those things being revealed in your life, you can confirm of your salvation and confirm of your of your righteousness. And these are the works of the of, of, of your faith. So in order to go to, to learn more of our righteousness, we need to go to the go into the book of Romans. Romans 3. Righteousness needs to be needs to be spoken of. things I'm talking about right now has already been done for you once you have received your salvation. This is a practical life, practical power, practical power. And God wants these things to be revealed in you. So I talk about the early church often. As soon as you're saved, if you live a life of faith, then people should be amazed by that person. Or, or amazed by you. But, but after you have been saved, if your life does not change, then that you need to reevaluate your salvation because it, it is impossible for you to stay the same after you have been saved. Above all else, uh, things like depression, insomnia, these things, if, you, if you're dealing with these things, you need to repent deeply. Because when you're living with the Holy Spirit, it isn't, you're supposed to be rejoicing with them every day. So how can you be sad? How can you be depressed? It is impossible. Powerlessness. It doesn't make sense. The Creator God is within you. So try to persuade me. Persuade me how you can be powerless when you're living with the God of crea creation. Tell me the key to how you're living like that. How can you become powerless? Even Napoleon said there uh, that, that the word impossible is not in, in his dictionary. But a mere human was able to uh, say something so bold. And he fully believed in that, that there's no impossible, that, that impossible is not in his dictionary. But we who are living with the Lord, how can we say we are powerless? Tell me your secret then. This is an, it is impossible for the children of the Lord to become powerless. If you say, if you explain to me in this way, then I'll understand. 
just say you have not received the Holy Spirit, then of course I would acknowledge that you, you can be powerless. But, but you all say you have received the Holy Spirit, but you are powerless. And how is that possible? When you, are, when you have the Holy Spirit, how can you be ignorant? Explain it to me. It is, a, it is impossible. And you need to deeply repent. This is a great uh, unbelief through your lives. Many people don't realize how, how dangerous it is to live by your, by your thoughts. And it is devastating, actually. What it is, is basically you're saying you are more able than the Holy Spirit that is living within you. You're saying you are more wise, you're more intelligent than the Holy Spirit. And that's why you limit the work of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that a, a great um, unbelief? You cannot sense that the Holy Spirit is groaning, He's upset with you, and, and is and, and very, uh, very, very sad when you do so. And when you acknowledge the Holy Spirit, you're supposed to be impossible. It is impossible for you to, to live uh, with your thoughts and by your own methods anymore. And the Holy Spirit is residing within you. And yet, if you're living with this kind of, uh, if you're still living with your own thoughts, then you need to deep, uh, repent deeply. First of all, worrying concerns, depression, uh, loneliness, sadness, powerlessness. These are clear evidences that you're not living by the Holy Spirit. Once again, these are clear evidences. So even though you have listened to this message before, let's, let's uh, review. Now we know that whatever things the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. Being under the law can be, uh, is going to be explained in chapter 6 to 8 of Romans. Being under the law means you're living, uh, that the new uh, old self is, is alive. And because the old self is alive, you're under the law and you're under uh, uh, under de under your, the sin your sins. But who is the new self then? Is is those who have died to sin? And what does that mean? It means it means all pain and suffering is 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 gone in your life. Because when you live by the by the new self, you have nothing to do with 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 your sins. hardships you face in your lives come from you not living with the Lord. The, the new self has died to sin already. He has died to the law. So he has no, no connections with it anymore. 
As soon as you have received this righteousness, your sin has been completely erased. So you and you no longer you no longer have the system to sin. So as you live from then on, you have to live by choosing to live by the new self. In the New Testament, we're, all the words that are written in the New Testament are written on the pretext of this old self and the new self. And a lot of the, the interpretation, and we can only interpret the, the, the revelations in, 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 in the New Testament while interpreting through the, the perspective of the old self and the new self. about the law, we are, ta- we, we are talking about our connection to the old self. So let's divide us into groups. The Jews, to the Jews, uh, being under the law means they are living actually by the law that was given to them by God, and to the Gentiles it means living by their own strength. And to these people are are those that every mouth may be closed and all the world may be brought under the judgment of God. So the whole universe is moved by Satan, and, and Satan is moving using the secular the world to create sin. This whole world is under the spiritual order. So this whole world is under the control of Lucifer. And when you're living in this world, you cannot be out of its influence. When uh, the whole uh, world, the economy and, and, and all of politics is controlled by, by Satan and Lucifer. So, uh, out of the three S's, what, what, are you, what do you have control over? Do you have control over Satan? Do you have control over the world, secular, or do you have control? The only thing that you have control of is yourself. So you need to deny yourself, you need to kill yourself so that you no longer have, are, are influenced by the order of this world. And when you do so, you will no longer be, be, be uh, <clears throat> required to go through this judgment. People who are righteous, people who have gone through this event, people who have received salvation, no longer are under this judgment of God. And even the enemy cannot come and bring this judgment upon us. No matter what they say, no matter what they accuse us of, you must not acknowledge them. You must not struggle with guilt. You must not struggle with, with, with these accusations. But many of you are still going through this, this judgment every day. God, my, my, my husband did this to me. Would you, would you, would you, uh, would you scold him? Every day you open up this judgment, open up this, this, this uh, court meeting for yourself. And if you do so, if you're constantly under judgment, that you cannot utilize power. Verse 20. Because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in itself. Uh, you need to... You need to
need to realize that you're liberated from sin, you're liberated from the law. This is why living with the Lord is amazing. Verse 20. Are you judged? When I look at your face, it seems you are judged. Why is your face like that? Are you under judgment? Verse 20. Because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. In his sight. Romans talk about the, the works of the law. of law. Sometimes Paul just says act, uh, the law by itself. But many times he, con he, he, he connects the law with actions. And the reason for that is, firstly, when you live by, by grace, there is the, the work of grace. And likewise, when you live by the law, you would also bear fruit, uh, not bear fruit, but you would reveal the works of the law. So the work of the law and the work of, of grace, they use the same word, they use the same vocabulary. And so, and so God created us so that we cannot rely, live while relying on, on us. Uh, we cannot live by relying on our own strength. That is how He created us. So we talked about powerlessness before. Why are you powerless then? It's because you're, you feel powerless because you have tried to do some things by yourself, but you could not, and that's why you feel powerless. Insomnia, depression, all these are a result of your, 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 uh, of your time spent living by your own strength. That is the work of the law. And this law does not just apply to the Jews. But it applies to all the Gentiles who have lived under the law. And there are 612 laws, uh, Jewish laws, that they have to keep. And Paul in the epistles. explain that living under the law means you're trying to prove prove of your righteousness through keeping the law. So uh, right now that can be applied to us as well. You you want to prove that you're righteous by earning a lot of money, by earning the acknowledgement of others, by showing others that you're a good person. And that's why we uh, Paul said use, uses the expression the work of the law. But the works of the law cannot bring you righteousness. And the issue with this is, is, is the flesh, is your flesh. Can you, can, are, are people able to keep all 600, 600, 600 plus laws of the Lord? It is impossible because some of the laws even contradict one another. So when you, when you follow one law, you cannot follow the other. And so the law itself is very hypocritical. 
in Romans 6 through 7 talk, talks about us uh, being uh, taking off the garments of the law. And that is the event of righteousness that we are talking about right now. When you go through the event of salvation, when you go through the event of, uh, of righteousness, you are no longer influenced by your flesh. And that is how the people of the Lord should live. And when you live by righteousness, it is, it is supposed to be revealed in your lives. So we no longer are under judgment. Let's praise the Lord for this fact, for this grace. So the work of the law no longer is, is, uh, is applicable to us. So that's why you cannot be powerless. That's why you are, you are no longer uh, dep uh, depressed. Amen? Verse 21. And now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed. Being testified by the law and the prophets. So the law can achieve righteousness if you keep all 630 laws. But the flesh will not allow you to do so. The our source cannot allow us to follow all 600-something laws. Verse 22, Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all on those who believe, for there is no distinction. So, so through Jesus Christ, we're able to receive this righteousness. And there's no distinction between men, women, children. When, when Jesus became Christ, you know, through, through his sacrifice, we have all been, been given this, 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 uh, this right. And that righteousness comes into us and confirms our holiness. So when God looks at you, he does not look acknowledges that you are holy and you are righteous and because of that holiness because of that righteousness he is, he is always willing to meet us and that's why whenever we bow down to pray we can go before the throne of God and we can go to him at all times because he never sleeps he never rests he is open 24 hours he doesn't need sleep so we can always go before the throne of God. Do not think, oh, God is very busy, so I shouldn't bother him. Do not fool, do not fool yourselves. He, can, he has time for you because he is all-powerful and, and omniscient. Never once in my 33 years did God say, you know, I'm a little busy, so would you come another time? I say that to my, my church members many times, uh, constantly. I'm busy, would you come a different time? But God never says something like that. He's always pleased to, to, to come and meet us. But don't come and try to find me because I am busy. But that's not our Lord. He will say, ah, I welcome you. I wanted to see you. So that's why we need to encounter him. So meeting the Lord is the best. <clears throat> So what is this inspiration of righteousness? It's knowing that you have been given the privilege to go and ask request of the, of the king. 
Even the angels cannot go and meet the Lord. Of course, they can go when they're summoned, but they cannot uh, volunteer. Or they cannot go and request the meeting of God. Even the angels, the seraphs, who are right next to the throne of the Lord, they have to cover their faces because they cannot look at the Lord directly. This is not a theory. It's not an abstract idea. This is the nobility that God has given to you. And you need to receive that by faith right now. There's no, no one else, nothing else in this universe that can go and meet the Lord face to face like we can. I'm not saying that the angels are beneath us, but it's the difference of calling. God has called us to be His heirs, to be His children. Angels are called to be the workers of God. And so the angels are happy when they are able to do the work of the Lord. So that's why the church needs to continue to command and give these tasks tasks for the angels to do. Because the more they do the, the work of the Lord, the happier they get. Do not let them play around. Do not, do not let them rest. Because they will get bored. They will get depressed. Well, not depressed, but they, they won't be pleased. And if you don't command the angels to fight the spiritual warfare, they're just, they're just going to stand there and be, be hit by the enemy. And then they're going to go to God and say, uh, and God is going to ask them, where did you get that bruise? And they will say, oh, I was there. Uh, I, uh, the, that church did not command me to fight, and so I had to stand there and be hit, be, 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 be struck by the enemy. So... This is the calling of the Lord, and this is the reason why we were created, for us to form, for us to have a relationship of love with the Lord. And angels were created to do the work of the Lord, and so we need to utilize them. Verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And this is the, the conclusion of our lives. If you do not resolve the issue of sin, then you will fall short of the glory of God. But God's goal and God's intentions for us is to reach glory. For all of us to reach His glory. And He first created us uh, for us to receive His nobility and receive His, His nature. He has given us holiness, and through this holiness, He has given us the right to be His children, to be His heirs. And along with this right, we are allowed to go into His glory. And we can go before the presence of the Lord, go into the uh, go before the throne of God. We can stand before the glory of God and pray before Him. Where Adam failed, Jesus Christ Himself came and and restored that failure. That's why we can receive this glory again. But if you cannot resolve the issue of sin, it all becomes impossible. So this is not a simple issue. To make a 
metaphor, uh, a, a man that is not righteous, no matter how much money he earns, it doesn't matter. No matter, no matter how much intelligence he acquires, it doesn't matter. No matter how much glory he receives from the world, it, does, it, it won't matter. Because all, all the things of the world will perish. And none of it is a part of eternity. So their lives become empty. And so when we exclude, when we exclude the glory of the Lord, nothing else um, really matters in the end. think that their lives are in that state uh, and it is out of their control. But no, their lives are in shambles because they have gone off track. They have lost sight of the glory of God. And if that is you, then go to Glory Church and regain your glory. Because you know, like their name, they, they should teach you how to, how to receive glory from God. Move on. Verse 24. Uh, being, just, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We are out of time, so we're going to finish quickly. We need to have, hold a party today, and so let's move on. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus. Redemption in Christ Jesus is very important. This redemption is us becoming in, uh, 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 heirs of the Lord, which is Gar in Hebrew. And the, the motive of the Lord saving us is not, is not simply just redemption, and not just forgiving our sins. That is not the, the, the full meaning of salvation. That was true even even before he created Adam. When, when, Adam. when Adam was created, he was made to be a king and also the high priest. So our, our salvation is not just to forgive our sins, to be to be healed a little bit. And so the core of, of the book of Romans is not to be to to to, to be saved, but it's to be glorified. It's to be glorified, to receive glory. Starting from Romans 3, Paul talks about the glory of God. So this redemption means we are not only saved from death, but we have been made as inheritors, inheritors of the kingdom of God. This is the grace that God has given us, and this grace is priceless. And Paul usually uh, explains the grace of God being, being priceless. What does it mean to be priceless? It means you cannot put a price on it. The grace of the Lord is not uh, a gift because it is cheap, but it is because it is priceless. And we have received this tremendous grace. And through this grace, we have been made righteous. And since we have received righteousness, we can re resolve the matter of, of, of holiness. And because of this holiness, we can be glorified. 
And so in Ephesians 1, 1, it talks about the eight blessings of the church. And that all those blessings are given to the church. No, no. And one of the blessings is that we have become, we have become the praise of glory for the Lord. And this description is given to no other, uh, no other being in creation, not even the angels. When you proclaim the word of the Lord, you're, 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 you're proclaiming glory. When you pray, you're proclaiming glory. When you're sleeping, you're proclaiming the glory of God. You're manifesting His glory through you. When you're working in the world, no matter what you do, you're revealing, you're manifesting the glory of God in your lives. And, and it's because your being itself has become uh, the glory of God. Before, a king, let's say a king gave something to you. He gave something, his, an object to a servant. He said, here, have this apple. Then the person receiving this apple from the king will say, oh, your, oh, your mercy is, is everlasting. Because there's glory in the, in, in, in the actions of the king. So you have to realize that the, the glory of the king of kings has been given to you. In the perspective of the enemy, when they look at us, they have to run away. They have to tremble in fear because the glory of God is shining within us. You have this light in, within you. So you have to let that light shine. And realize how tremendous this is. Verse 25 to 26 talks about this matter of righteousness. Verse 25, whom God set forth to be an atoning, an atoning sacrifice. And his blood has become the blood of, of the, the sacrifice. He, God used the blood of Jesus to be the atoning sacrifice to the, 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 the offering and this blood is the blood that is sprinkled within um, the Holy of Holies on the, on the Day of Atonement so when you receive the salvation the salvation is not simply simply this salvation does not only mean that your sin is erased when Jesus was, was, was crucified on the cross, but furthermore, His blood was sprinkled upon the Holy of Holies so that our, our righteousness is also, the matter of our righteousness is also resolved. So now we can use this Holy Blood to, 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 to um, obtain the right to go into the Holy of Holies. That is the original intent of our creation. He wanted us to, to be to always come before his glory. So we have become we have become the holy of holies. So the holiness and the glory of God is within us. When I went to Israel, I went to the the east wall. Or the west wall. I couldn't sense the holy, uh, the glory of God anywhere in Israel, but I could see, I could sense the glory of God in, one, in that one place, that the, the, the tunnel that connect, is connected with the Ark of the Covenant, that is. And 
made a joke over there in Israel. If the Israelites, if the Jewish people knew who I am, they would have to bow down before me because the glory of God is within me. They have to bow down before the glory of, of, of their God. to announce to the people of Israel saying, I am the Holy of Holies. The, the, the Holy Spirit is within me. The glory of God is within me. And then the next day, there will be news spreading in Israel that a pastor from Korea has been stoned to death. And I'm afraid of that, and that's why I'm not announcing my my uh, my presence in Israel. Was that funny? Anyways, he was the atoning sacrifice. And we have met the Lord through this blood. That is righteousness. So if you know this righteousness, you cannot help but be inspired and be touched by him. That righteousness has allowed us to go into the Holy of Holies and to go before the throne of the Lord. Through, the faith, through faith in his blood for a demonstration of his righteousness through the passing over of prior sins in God's forbearance. And to demonstrate his righteousness at this present time that he himself may be just and be just be the justifier of him who was of him who has faith in Jesus. So, because God knew how, that he needed to save us, that's why he had to strike his own son to resolve the matter of righteousness for us. And the reason for that is because God is very strict towards sin and, and towards things that are unholy. And that's why he had to go to such... Uh, such um, extent to, to resolve this issue. And if you realize how tremendous this is and how important of an issue this is, you won't sin uh, so easily anymore. And to expand this further, in Hebrews 5, it says sin will lead you to death and also lead you to pain and suffering. And Jesus Christ had to go through this pain and suffering for our sins. Not only on the cross, but throughout whole, uh, his whole life, he had to keep himself from committing sin. Because that was the, the reason why he came upon this earth, to resolve the issue of sin, to, 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 uh, to, to um, reveal the glory of the uh, righteousness of God on this land. So, so that's why he had to sacrifice himself. And, that, and also, because he had to live without sin, he knows how dangerous sin is. And he knew that if he sinned, uh, he cannot bring salvation upon, upon mankind. So when you realize this fact, you will not regard sin so, so uh, lightly anymore. You will not sin very, uh, without any... Uh, you will not sin easily anymore. Lastly, verse 25. 
or 26, to demonstrate his righteousness at this present time, that he, may, he might himself be just. So this is the same as before. Jesus came to, to, to help us be separated from death and that separate us from sin. So he himself be just and the justifier of him who has faith in Jesus. So God judged sin and Jesus has, has uh, been was judged in our place for this sin so that he so he became just himself and also we are justified through his through his sacrifice so God has led us to to, to liberation through this through the sacrifice and now we have the right to go before him we have the right to request anything of him we have the right to ask him of anything we can call him our God through the act of Jesus. This is the grace of, our Je of, of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. That is your righteousness. That is the righteousness that has been given to you. Have you received this righteousness? Can you smell the scent of blood within you? Can you smell the scent of the blood of Jesus? Blood of Jesus. Blood of Jesus. Let's pray then. Uh, or, or not. Let's just applaud the Lord and turn all the glory to Him as we conclude the session. Because we have a party that we have to go to. And this evening, you're going to be, this official unraveling is going to happen. Do we have an afternoon meeting? Uh, starting on 3 p.m., we're going to be having healing ministry in the main hall. So all of our uh, ministers and pastors, please come out to minister to people and heal the people. Starting from 3 p.m., maybe one or two hours. So ministers and all of the pastors and leaders of the church, please come out. Thank you.